don't just look around you and say, well, I'm, I'm mostly in a support role and there isn't really much area for growth or learning for me, or I'm working under marketing and there isn't really an opportunity for growth for me, or I'm in a really small company and there isn't opportunity necessarily for growth if I just focus on docs. I think there are lots of opportunities to learn. And then you can take those opportunities and either build a new career path for yourself if you like something more than the writing, or you can take those skills and then build a larger scope for yourself in your existing company or take those skills to the next opportunity that you have. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world, and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Nicola Yap, technical writer at Google. Welcome, Nicola, to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's it's Friday, so I'm looking forward to going into the weekend. Super. So, uh, Nicola, please help us understand a little bit more about yourself and how did you initially got into documentation? So, like a lot of other people who are in technical writing, um, I fell into it by accident. Um, I actually wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I was going into post-secondary education. So, um, I had considered going into journalism and I was concerned that if I had specialized really narrowly and I didn't like it, that I was going to be stuck with this specialized set of skills. So I actually majored in um, psychology initially and then went into translation. I knew that I really um, enjoyed French and I enjoyed language and I knew that um, I found psychology really interesting. I just really found um, everybody's story really interesting. And growing up in Toronto, we have a really diverse population. So I just found um, human behavior and, and different perspectives really interesting. So um, I went to study those things. And then it turns out in the translation program that Anglophones are asked to take some technical writing classes to improve their employability because normally you translate into your first language and in Canada, there isn't a huge amount of demand for translators going into English. So I took those classes and um, I did well because I do have um, an interest in technology and tinkered a lot um, when I was younger. And so uh, Jamie Roberts, who actually is at Google now, um, he said to me, hey, would you be interested in doing a student placement for technical writing instead of translation? So I, I spent one summer working with Symantec and they liked me so much that, and I had such a good time that I continued to work with them as a student for another two uh, semesters while I finished up my bachelor's degree. So I graduated with a bachelor's degree. I finished up the rest of the technical writing classes for um, a tech writing certificate. And I realized that tech writing combines the um, teaching skills I love because I love knowledge sharing and teaching and enabling other people. It combines um, language um, and it allows me to play with tech technology, which is something I always had done on the side, but never really had looked at as a career option. So um, it turned out to be a really good fit 
um, and I had just fallen into it by accident. Okay, that's very interesting to know, Nicola. Um, so you have over 20 years of experience with content development, right? Yeah, so I was at IBM for quite a long time. Um, uh, Jamie, Jamie Roberts, who I'd mentioned earlier, was actually with IBM at the time and said, hey, why don't you come join IBM? And I did apply, but I had applied a few other places first. And again, um, I kind of like to take the, the sort of exploratory path. So um, I decided to go somewhere else first that wasn't a large company, did some exploration, trying a few jobs in a different places, a few different places. And then I ended up at IBM and was there for a good 15 years. Um, so I, I really appreciate that, that I took that path because, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I'd really love to work at Google or I'd really love to work somewhere like, like IBM that's well-established. And you do get to learn a lot that way, but something I always tell uh, students and other people who are early in their career is there's so much that you can learn from experiences in other places. You get to pioneer, you get to learn often a lot more about um, other parts of the business because you end up wearing different hats. So I'm really glad that I, I had that experience because it provides me with a, a broader perspective. Right. I just wanted to know what was an important lesson you learned during your career that helped you to get where you are today with your 20 years of experience? So, yeah, one of the one of the things for me that um, I learned over time is um, I'm kind I, I'm good at making connections between people and ideas and when it comes to figuring out how I can contribute, I don't necessarily just look at what is established. So um, there are a variety of examples um, because um, I've been on teams where I was maybe more technically proficient than some of the other writers. I ended up helping to set up build automation on teams that didn't have it. Um, when I joined a team when during my time at IBM that was an acquisition, and I realized they were using Jenkins for their uh, doc build processes. Um, I took that and started to build it out and provided a way for subject matter experts to also use that build automation. Um, I then evangelized it throughout the company and um, so that by the time I had left IBM, even at the corporate level, they were starting to use Jenkins to provide builds for writers across the company. So. Um, I've always found that there are opportunities to contribute, even if there aren't formal roles or responsibilities, there are always ways to have impact. And that has helped me a lot throughout my career. Super. Um, so let's just talk about a little bit on your process, documentation process at Google. Um, uh, so can you shed some lights on, on what are you currently doing to make sure the documentation is all uh, up to date and, uh, um, is serving the purpose? So um, I know that you had Mike Pope on the podcast uh, earlier this year, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm also in Google Cloud. So a lot of the process that Mike talked about is going to be the same. Um, so we have um, what's often referred to as a, as a docs as code kind of model. So we use the same kinds of tools that the software engineers use. Um, so we have source control um, for both documentation and the code in the same repository. Um, we use the same tools for reviewing both code and documentation. 
Um, and there are some built-in checks both in our editor and as a part of um, the review tools that help to verify certain things like branding usage, um, certain requirements around approval, for example. Um, so there are a bunch of different checks that are in place. Um, and we do require for external documentation to make sure that things go through a review process so that there's always a second pair of eyes on things um, before they get published. In some cases, if it's just a typo, it might be a peer review only. And then in other cases, um, again, depending on what the content is, you might or you might need to um, get it reviewed by a subject matter expert as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and um, how do you manage your documentation workflow, um, Nicola? Um, so, can you clarify what you mean by manage? So, um, I'm guessing there will be a lot of uh, teams that you interact during the documentation process. So, how do you manage the overall uh, project of making sure the right things are captured at the right time and then uh, translated into writing? That actually is going to vary by team. It's actually quite interesting. Um, when when new writers join Google, one of the questions they often ask is, you know, what what is what is the typical way that you or what is the way that um, we manage our 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 work? And the answer is that it it, it actually depends. Um, so there are a variety of tools we have available to us internally for project management, and um, so that's going to vary. It, it could be everything from a spreadsheet to some dedicated tools or, you know, some Kanban style um, project management um, for, for tracking your tasks that are in, pro in progress as you go through your, your sprints. Um, but in terms of team interaction, there are a variety of stakeholders that you might in interact with. So in cloud, um, you might work with product managers to find out what requirements are from a user perspective. You might be involved with UX, um, both in design and in um, studies with customers to find out, again, directly from them what their needs are. Um, there are, on some teams, um, a program manager who is responsible for the how, like, so product managers are looking at what, what, what do we need? And program managers look at how. So they look at schedule. They try to unblock people in, in sort of the large across the whole um, product team. And then um, writers might interact with that schedule um, in a variety of ways. If they're supporting one project primarily, um, they may be more integrated with whatever program management process there is for tracking the work. And if they're not, then they may have um, relationships with multiple teams and have agreements with um, when they're going to deliver things. Mm -hmm. um, and then in addition to those stakeholders, there are the software engineers who are working on the uh, specific features. And there might be relationships with other writers as well, because a lot of these services in Google Cloud interact with each other. So there are cases where you might need to document something like permissions or um, private networking. And those kinds of features you want to document in a consistent way. So you might be 
collaborating with other writers on how to document those things. You might be working on a use case that goes across Google Cloud and several products. You might also um, collaborate with other writers to document those pieces. It's very interesting to see how things um, roll out. And uh, you did mention that um, uh, you were very excited to work for such a big company. So I know um, this hiring everywhere, including Google. So with someone who has extensive experience, what advice would you give to someone looking to enter into this field? So I I, I would go back to some of what I said earlier that Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that has really helped me is I have looked for opportunities everywhere. So that includes, you know, when I've worked in smaller places and um, yes, I was responsible for documentation, but, you know, there were other times where, you know, marketing came to me and said, hey, would you be interested in um, working on some white papers or would you be work- interested in working on putting together some some animation for us? And um you know, I like playing with technology and I like learning stuff. So t- taking those opportunities. Um, when I got to Google, um, the the big thing where I, I looked at opportunities that I can provide as an example is, is the tech writer onboarding. So um, when I got to Google, the orientation for people in technical roles is very focused on the software engineering role. And so there are places in the orientation where it just doesn't feel very relevant to writers. And this isn't this isn't just a Google thing. Like this is an experience that a lot of writers go through, no matter um, what organization there is. A lot of times yeah. the writer role just isn't heavily focused on, right? And mm-hmm. then there are also things like career development where it's not really clear how, how your career development is going to progress through the company. So I saw those kinds of gaps and said, hey, we should we should create some writer-specific education. And a lot of teams had done that in their own little teams. But that means information scattered everywhere and your onboarding is only as good as the resources and network you have when you join. So um, manager said, hey, go for it. And we got some, I got some people together and we put together education now that I'm really happy happened in 2019 because when we hit 2020 and we started expanding into locations like Warsaw and Bangalore, it's allowed us to provide a much more consistent experience in onboarding, particularly in places where we don't have experienced Google writers who've been here for years to pass down um, knowledge informally. We now have some consistent training that provides people with a, with a equal foundation when they start. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's not something that I was assigned to do. Again, that was an opportunity. So I, I really am a big advocate for um, don't just look for you know, don't just look around you and say, well, I'm, I'm mostly in a support role and there isn't really much area for growth or learning for me, or I'm working under marketing and there isn't really an opportunity for growth for me, or I'm in a really small company and there isn't opportunity necessarily for, for growth if I just focus on docs. Um, I think there are lots of opportunities to learn. And then you can take those opportunities and either build a new career path for yourself if you like something more than the writing, or you can take those skills and then build a larger scope for yourself in your existing company or take those skills to the next opportunity that you have. That's nice. So the more and more I hear from you, it looks like uh, the place gives you a lot of opportunities to grow 
not only in your current field, but also in various other um, aspects? Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I do enjoy working for uh, larger companies is because there is that opportunity to really have a new job without um, having to start fresh in a new company. So um, it's something that I, that's one of the reasons I was able to, to stay at IBM for so many years is because I didn't just stay on one team and I wasn't just focused on documentation. I was involved in some initiatives that, that spanned the whole company, some of it grassroots and some of it not. And um, that, that just kept things really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just following on that question, um, Nicola, so how important is it for technical writers to consider accessibility when creating a document uh, just to have all these different levels of interactions and exposure? Yeah. So um, I do have a, a, a background in accessibility. Um, I'm actually visually impaired myself. Um, I, I have about 10 percent vision. I'm light sensitive. Um, I have very special eyes. So um, accessibility is something that's really important to me. And um, it's it's really something that I like to try to explain to people isn't just something that you need to do because it helps people with disabilities. Um, creating an experience where people can access information in different ways, access the product in different ways, um, is useful to everybody because we all run into situations where um, we aren't able to use products and services the way that we might normally. So, you know, I remember when I had shingles and I couldn't use one arm really well because it had shingles all over it. And um, that really limited my ability to type, right? And it was mm -hmm. a temporary thing, but it affected my productivity. Um, if you're if you're driving in fog, you can't see as well. If you've got, you know, a baby in your arms and you don't want to make a lot of noise, you might want to turn on captions. If you're cooking, you might also want to use voice control with um, some sort of of um, feature like Google, Google Assistant or Alexa or Siri, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it, it's something that, that really helps everyone. So I, I think accessibility is something important to think about no matter what you're working on, even if you don't have a mandate to make your product accessible, it really just creates better user experiences. Very true, very true and nicely said, Nicola. Um, let's just talk about some reporting uh, on, on your documentation. So how do you report on your documentation and who do you report to? In terms of status or metrics or both? Uh, yeah, maybe both or more on the uh, metrics. Um, so I, again, I think I think Mike touched on this um, when, when you interviewed him. We do have... Google Analytics available to us. Um, so we're able to set up a variety of cloud-wide um, dashboards that allow us to see things like, you know, page views, um, maybe, you know, an aggregate where some of the visits are coming from, um, that kind of thing. And that, that gives us a sense, you know, it doesn't tell us everything, but it allows us to, to look at things and maybe identify maybe um, topics that need to be um, clarified because maybe pe you know, people are, are um, looking at it quickly and leaving and, and not continuing on somewhere else. Um, or you may look at, you know, certain metrics and compare them with um, support tickets and see if changes that you've made 
have um, reduced your your support load. Um, so we we have that kind of thing. I mean, in terms of status, um, that's going to vary, and that tends to um, relate to how you're tracking your work. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have the same bug tracking system that a lot of people use across Google. So not just um, within software engineering, but a lot of groups use um, the same bug tracking tool. So that integrates with a lot of our other systems and allows for visibility around work that's being done in, in a variety of ways. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, kind of, uh, yes, uh, Nicola, that's, that's really great. And um, again, coming from such a huge experience, um, in your opinion, what has been the most important innovation when it comes to document tracking? Uh, yeah. Uh, when it comes to document tracking, um, I think something that that for me has made a big difference, um, and I would say I, I would say it, may, it it makes a big difference for sure at Google. And I I know that when I was using tools at IBM that did something similar, it was also very helpful. I really like having um, a tightly integrated experience between the work that writers do and the work that the rest of the product team is doing. And that the more integrated it is, the more visibility that the writer writers have. Um, so for example, if you were tracking your work in different tools, you then have to remember uh, to report it to your stakeholders and you have to, you know, continually, you know, wave your hand and lift your hand and say, hey, you know, I, I've got this stuff going on over here. Um, and if everything's integrated in one tool, you can set up relationships. You can say, hey, I have this piece of work and it's blocked by some work that a software engineer is doing or, you know, the, the product manager hasn't finished their requirements document and I'm blocked on that. And I can then add, you know, the tracking bug for that work and say, you know, I have a dependency on this. So um, having integrations like that for me has made a big difference in the productivity. Using the same tools that the software engineers use also takes away a lot of friction because instead of having to say, hey, can you use this review tool over here? And you have to learn how to use it and you have to remember to do it. And if you haven't done it in three months, you have to remember how to do it all over again. Um, If you're reviewing documentation with the same tools that you use to do code reviews, it you 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 don't have to learn anything new, and it just feels like you're doing the same job that you always do. So it really takes a lot of the friction away. And I have found experiences like that make a huge difference in my ability to get my work done, um, in the visibility of what I do, and um, and just ensures that we work better as a team. Thanks. Um- Again, I just want to ask this question. Uh, is Google currently generating any organic search traffic from your knowledge base? Um, so again, what do you what do you mean by organic search traffic? So if your uh, documentation is publicly available, uh, you know you can the marketing team can um, pull out some uh, search traffic and you know uh, that'll help uh, you to improvise your documentation, which areas they are searching the most and what topics are being uh, um, uh, looked at. So those kind of, uh, it can help you with your uh, optimization, search engine optimization. So are you aware of uh, any any such activities happening within your knowledge base? 
Um, so I haven't dug deeply into the the SEO stuff. Um, I know that we we can do some things um, around search, not only um, for the documentation, but for for example, um, using the Google Cloud UIs. Um, when people are when people are searching for keywords um, in the console, we want to make sure that they get the right help for what they're looking for. So we can kind of, we can look at patterns around that. We can look at patterns around what people are searching for in the documentation. Um, but again, I, I haven't dug deeply into the the other side of that in terms of how we might specifically address what we find. Um, yeah, I started with Google in 2019 and there are some things I have dug into, but the SEO is not one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No problem at all. So if you're good, we can just quickly move on to our rapid fire round questions. Sure. Super. Who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? That I, I spent some time thinking about this one <laughs> and um, yeah, I think like some of your other guests, I would say that I, I don't, I don't have the ability to pick just one, but, um, as I said, you know, when I, when I started in tech writing, the thing that brought me to tech writing was doing a student placement that, um, really showed me what the career would be like. And, and Jamie Roberts, um, was involved in, pointing me in that direction. Um, so, you know, I may have just taken the classes and thought, oh, hey, here's some cool skills. And yeah, I'm pretty good at this. But if I hadn't had that opportunity to really work that summer and get a taste of what it would be like to be a tech writer, um, I might not be where I am today. So I, I'm definitely grateful for having had that experience. Um, I'd, I'd say that in terms of learning um, what I'm focused on now is less about writing and more about relationships. So um, again, going back to like my interest in psychology, I think I tend to focus on that now in terms of my learning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you share a documentation related resource you have consumed recently? Um, well, I just purchased the Docs for Developers book that that just came out uh, a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, and I'm really excited about having a look at that because it's a book that's aimed at uh, primarily at uh, software developers. So instead of providing a book, we have a number of books out there. Um, like there's, there's docs like code, um, there's the product is docs uh, that Splunk team put together. Um, there There's some really good books out there that are targeting uh, documentarians and people who already have an interest in that, may have some familiarity with, with writing best practices. And so your starting point is a little different, whereas this book really is focused on helping people who um, have a need to put together documentation but aren't even in the place where they have explored best practices around docs. And so it really takes you through the full life cycle of documentation and, and all the considerations around that. Um, so I'm very interested in seeing how we, how we do that, and I'm pretty excited about it because um, it, it, we're bringing documentation to the developers, um, and we're, we're equipping people with 
uh, knowledge to help onboard developers as well into some documentation best practices. So if you were responsible for working with subject matter experts on your teams and helping them to write better or make a case for um, why, why they need to be involved in documentation and how we can set that up, um, I'm hoping that, that this book will also help with some of that as well. Thank you for that wonderful resource, Nicola. My last question to you is, uh, what is that one piece of documentation-related advice you would like to give to your 20-year-old self? Um, documentation advice. <laughs> um, I, I would actually probably give myself advice that isn't specifically documentation-related, but I guess it's something that a lot of writers might relate to, and that's to um, to, to really prioritize and, and not be afraid to ask for help and delegate. Um, you know, one, one of the things that you, you sometimes do when you're early in your career and you're really eager and enthusiastic and uh, you want to learn everything is you try to take on everything. And I mean, it's great. You learn a lot. Um, you often get recognized for, for the extra stuff that you do. But at a certain point, you can't handle everything. And the other thing is that you sometimes, if you become really good at certain things, um, particularly on teams, you don't want to be the only go-to person that has all the knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, you want to be able to make sure that you are lifting up the entire team and sharing that knowledge so that, um, you know, if you're sick, if you're on vacation, um, someone else can help with that. But in addition, that you're also supporting um, the careers of other people and you're not taking all of that stuff for yourself. So, um, yeah, I, I would tell my 20-year-old 20, 20 self that A, it's okay to ask for help and B, um, that it's also okay to delegate when you've got a lot on your plate. Thank you. So another wonderful advice and suggestions to all those youngsters and people who are um, looking forward to take this as a, a serious career. <laughs> Great. So do, did I miss to ask you anything, Nicola, that you would like to add to our audience today? Um, I guess because I have some interest, again, like I said, in sort of um, psychology and, and organizational psychology um, in particular. Um, a lot of people focus on things like learning tools and learning writing. And I think a big part of what we do is also managing relationships because we work with so many stakeholders. Um, understanding how to work really well with people is important. And if, if that doesn't come to you naturally, or if it's something that you're new to navigating. Um, I really lately have been enjoying listening to podcasts like the ones by uh, Brené Brown, who's done a lot of research into um, vulnerability and shame um, previously, but now she also focuses on how a lot of these learnings apply to leadership. Um, people like Adam Grant, who um, does a whole work-life podcast that focuses on organizational psychology. And there's just a lot to learn about leadership and a lot to learn about um, just how to work with people that I think comes from that and that can help you navigate relationships um, within the day-to-day -day work you do as documentarian. 
Thank you. So thank you for that additional points as well, Nicola. So once again, I appreciate all the information you have shared with us today in the last 30 minutes or so. And uh, definitely um, it's quite an a interesting session to our, our, to our audiences. Um, and uh, I wish you all the very best for the projects and uh, future documentation engagement you're going to have. And uh, take care and have a good day. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.